Well, grab a seat, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. All right, it is time for Flip and Friends. I am your host, Kenneth Davis. Follow me at That's Davis. Of course, the executive producer of this show and That Davis Show, we have Ryan Bukabeski. Follow him at Ryan B. Ski and Ryan B. Ski 1 on Instagram. And last but not least, co-host of Second City Sports. Also contributor We Are Regal Radio, we have Sid the Kid. Follow him at Sid Kid 80. His name is Sidney Brown, but we call him Sid the Kid. You see, that's why we call him the Kid. Um, real quick, before we start in the show, we were discussing, Sid had pointed out that Ryan had gotten uh, gotten a haircut, uh, and Ryan just said he buzzed his sides, but the thing is that Ryan is donating his hair to charity. Uh, so, Ryan, when you show him the top real quick, Ryan. Let him see. Heck no. Come on, Come on let him see it, man. It's for the show, dog. I'll show you before and after. Okay, all right. So how long is it? You can't even just show him. Is it in a man bun or something? How do you have yeah, it under that? Yeah, it's up in the bun. So let us see the bun real quick. No way, bro. Why? What's going I like on? teasing. I like oh teasing. So anyway, <laughs> what charity, how does this go about? Do you, do you save this yourself? Yet. But I, you've done this before, right? I've done this before. I went to Great Clips, and a lot of different salons have affiliations with charities, so then uh. they cut it, and they'll send it in. I'm deciding how much length I want to get cut off first, because I oh. think you can do between eight inches and a foot, depending on certain charities. So I might go a little bit shorter. I don't know. I'm going to look up different salons with their association and then decide from there. You sure that they're not just using it and selling this like that Brazilian yaki? Have you seen like, because like how they do it in like India where, you know, like those people donate their hair because like for their religion or whatever, and then they go and they sell it and then it's in bundles in the streets of the south side of the west side of Chicago. That's where your hair is going to end up. Well, Shaniqua. uh... No, they're going to kids. At least I've been told. Great. <laughs> Here, little Timmy. <laughs> I feel like Ryan. Right. <laughs> the best would be like some kid that has like fire red everywhere. And then fire. Like, this dirt brown wig of mine. Right. Um, so you do you they clean it themselves how do they clue so they clean it themselves i would take it right they don't trust that you've actually cleaned your hair enough for you to donate to someone how does that how does that work so they wash it before they cut it on your uh, head i think every place is a little bit different um okay. normally because uh, i've heard i don't think this happened to me the first time but sometimes they cut off the dead ends before and uh-huh. other places will just cut it just not even without the dead ends they'll keep it so you could lose like an inch with the dead ends being cut off and then i don't think i got shampooed the first time i think they just Uh literally put it in the tie measure out uh, the inches and then filthy ass hair yeah damn Hey, it gets clean some other time. Not sure it does. Sure it does. These little poor kids. But no, everybody out there, if you, you got long hair, if you're draping like Ryan, uh, do something good like that and take care of these kids. I would take care of these kids that are uh, going through uh, any type of uh, cancer treat, chemo treatment or something yes, like that. Yes, I think uh, the first one that I did for sure was wigs for kids, for kids oh. with cancer. And okay. I think all of them are just about there but then of course you've got women with cancer that you can donate to you can do it uh, you know kids with just hair loss not associated with cancer just they have some kind of whatever going on and you know they need a wig whatever kind of symptom or disease that doesn't allow for hair growth mm-hmm. so stuff like that all right good going good going Ryan. so we just want to open up before we get into the his 
the, the, the hysterical-ness of this, uh, histrionics of this show, do something polite. So anybody out there, in, in general, it's the giving season. It's, I want to uh, see Sydney do it next. <laughs> Cindy, can you grow out? Can you grow a full head of hair? It'll take a long time, man. I do not want to go through that, especially in this part of my life. <laughs> so, like, you're not bald up top in general? No, no, I do that manually uh, every other day. So, this is okay. not natural. So, man, you don't want some hair, Sid? No. Why? In the <laughs> wintertime. In the wintertime. <laughs> You never know. You never know. You may it may make get you on fleek. Like what used to be a good look twenty years ago is totally different now. Right? They start getting you a little bit if you grow your hair out. I mean, right? you don't want to just like rub and and feel the the no. hair underneath it. You ever just rolled the window down and had your hair blowing in it? Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, it feels good. It feels nice. When you feel your hair pull back, you're like, I got a little lift right there. I'm just. I'm just telling you, sitting in, give, give, listen, I'm telling you what to help you. I know, you know what I'm saying, and maybe this will help you with the white sisters, but with the black sister, <laughs> what you could do is grow your stuff out and then ask the sister to braid you up. And then that's the way you start to sit there and get your swerve on. Like, yeah, let me get that braid. Listen, Matt, see, if you get them braids, I'm telling listen, real, full disclosure. So I remember um, senior year. I had uh, grew my hair out and I didn't really care because I wasn't even trying to like holler at the chick scene. Yeah, I felt like I had won. So I was like just just chilling and I, I wasn't even getting a taper because I was growing it out because I was going to uh, get like a curly fro. So I sat there and um, it was a friend of mine said that they used to uh, ride to school with me and my boy every day. And I was over her crib and it was me, her, and her boyfriend at the time. And we go on 87th Street uh, right here next to Walgreens. It's a beauty supply store. One, walking in, I see Angel's mother from The Awakenings. And I was like, hey, you're Angel's mother. And she was like, yeah. I was like, all right, right? So wow. anyway, we go in there and I get a band two, right? So it's this, this perm, right? And I had, I mean, I had texturized my hair growing up, but I was letting someone else do it. So we sit there, we go get, and I get extra strength because I feel like, you know, I need super stuff. I want, you know, being a dude, you always overdo it, right? Like, oh, give yeah. me the extra oh, strength. Yeah. It could just got a regular <laughs> one. The super strong. I want the line like they used to do with the five heartbeats and the tips. Be like, ah, my hands burning, right? I don't know. Is strong good enough for me? I think I'm gonna need that extra strength. <laughs> right, nuke. You got nuke in the back? Yeah. So anyway, we go. And uh, we put it in my hair, and actually, it's the S girl pattern. Is there? So actually, and, and I, I crossed my mind. We put it in, and the stuff is so strong, it straightened out my hair in about three minutes, which it shouldn't like that strong, strong. You know, I can take like you ever use like a Duke or S curl in your hair. You know that usually, like you leave it up in there, and it's gonna have the wave, the wave pattern. My hair, and I'm sitting there, we we coming, and my hair's just going straight. And I'm like, man, I think, I think I'm just straightened out my hair, right? So make a long story short, I'm like, damn. I was like, was this a setup? So I go home. I remember putting it like a do-rag or something on my head. I wake up. That was like a Saturday night. I wake up Sunday morning. I do like this, and I touch my head because I'm hoping it was a dream, right? And I touch my hair, and it feels like my scalp because my hair is straight, so I'm touching straight up my scalp. <laughs> so you turn into Marge Simpson over there? This is still, wait, this is still getting to why Sydney, I'm telling you, this can help you out. You, ne you never know. So anyway, I go to school that Monday, right? My hair, I put some, my hair, I got the Pat Riley, right? Oh, straight to okay. the back. 
I got the pride rally. I'm, I'm about time, right baby. I'm about right oh, here. What did Alexander O'Neill do? Ooh, yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, I was watching the Alexander O'Neill video early this morning because my sleeping patterns are all off the, off the place. So about three o'clock this morning, I flipped past an Alexander O'Neill video. So surprised that you just brought his name up. So anyway, I'm in school or whatever. And um, one of my guys that lived in Amanda was my barber. Right. And I hadn't been going to him because I just let my hair grow. So I told him, I was like, listen, after school today, you are cutting this mess off, right? Like this, mm. this is gone. Listen, I still, that perm was so strong that there's still a part in my hair. <laughs> For real, like if, if my hair was low, like if I had a really low haircut, you would see a natural part because that that, that bad boy burnt that lane open right there. It's a natural part somewhere like around here or something, right? So anyway, I'm in school that day and this young lady comes up to me and she wasn't someone that was on like my radar necessarily, but it's on the radar of a lot of guys I was cool with. And comes up to me and was like, shit, I may give you some now. And I said, damn, I need to cut this shit right now. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> but let's just tell you, people have different, when I listen, because I, I think she, she like folks from the man. I, looked, I was looking like, no, hundred folks. I was looking like folks from the hundreds at that point. Straight to the back. Like all I was missing was getting like some finger waves in that bad boy, right? Like that was, it was like in between finger waves look. Like, oh, you got that good. Perm. No, she needed that perm. Showtime Pat Riley in her life. Right, right. But anyway, Sid, I'm just telling you, you never know what you can get with some braids on top of the head. All can right. we do uh, like a bet or something where we get Sid to grow out the beard and just a little bit of hair? I want to see, I want to see Sid furry up in the face. But Sid has grown work. He Sid's worn the Michael Jordan goatee before, I think. Yeah, I, I can. That's the only thing I can grow around that that grows out real fast is a goatee. I used to do that when the Blackhawks are in the playoffs. I've been, I've been doing that for the past decade. So that, that you're talking about the part that grows out real fast for me, and that's the goatee. You, I don't know if you've seen it too much, right? Or Davis, you, you know, you've seen it a couple times. So mm-hmm. yeah, he, he'll, yeah, he'll rock a goatee with a little Michael yeah. Jordan in the background there too. But yes, yeah, see, well, how much we got to pay you to grow your hair out? I'm not taking that offer. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm not taking that off. I love this look. I've been doing this for the past decade, almost decade and a half. As that's soon as I turned 30, I was like, I need a new look. Uh, I, yes. I, 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 guess I, what? You turned 40. Yeah. And you just turned 40. So guess look. what? It's time for a new look. All right. A new one. <laughs> it's a new decade. No, no, no. <laughs> Let that go. It's a new decade. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I don't know if it was, this was inappropriate or not. Uh, Ryan sent this over. This is from the, the Huff Post. Uh-oh, uh, it's probably inappropriate then. Yeah, Jimmy Kimball uh, stuns Barack Obama with an absolute filthy uh, personal question. I'm going to go ahead real quick and share this so that you can sit here and see it, at least see it, and you'll get the, the gist of it. I know, Ryan, that you're going to have to jump drop this up in there. Share this audio. So, a personal question. I asked this question of your wife. I interviewed her in uh, Tacoma last year. And she told me that, she said, the next time I see you, I will tell you the answer, and I will tell you a story. But I haven't seen her. Um, So, on the night you did kill bin Laden, did you and Michelle make love? Did did she say she was going to answer that? Yes. When I read the book and you were talking about hearing people outside the White House <laughs> chanting USA, 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 I had an image in my head. I did. 
Uh, I suspect that she was asleep. Because uh, <laughs> the truth of the matter is, most of the time, by the time I was done working, uh, she'd be snoozing. Uh, right. So okay. Michelle goes to bed about 9 o'clock. <laughs> you don't have to make excuses. Um, it's okay. I experienced the same thing. <laughs> It's a, a lament. Uh, <laughs> that could be. A, that's a good title for the. All right, man. So, uh, Jimmy doing them wrong. Wow. Did you think? Because I, I, well, I was. It's funny, especially I guess it's the um, especially when you're looking at war. I guess you have to call it a, a war in a way, or an enemy and killing an enemy. Uh, to think like after you killed your enemy, the first thing you want to do is go have some sex. But again, I never killed the op. You know, perhaps after killing the op, you, you you're more aroused, and it's like, man, I gotta go get this off of my get this off of my chest. But just even think about it, like imagine Barack, because we all saw the image in the uh, war room where you had uh, Barack, Hillary, uh, a bunch of commanders, so on and so forth, in there when uh, Seal Team Six was going after Osama uh, bin Laden, and just it, 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 for me, it would seem like. To, to add to this, if it actually took place, what uh, Jimmy Kimmel was saying, like after the, the, they killed Bin Laden and dumped his body in the ocean, that uh, Barack just started popping bottles, right? Just like, pff, 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 I got that motherfucker, <laughs> right? Hillary, him and Hillary, listen, him and Hillary around that bitch, like they just won a championship, right? Hillary sitting there because we got Chris Bosch coming, a uh, Chris Bosch is a segment later, sitting there like Chris Bosch porn, <laughs> right? And Barack comes stumbling up the steps and shit like, Michelle, Michelle, take, take that shit off, right? Like, I, I caught that motherfucker, right? <laughs> hey, we did it. We're doing right? it. So that, that to me, just, I, I, it's funny because when we do shit and we do shit that's inappropriate all the time. But just to sit there and actually think about asking someone that question on national television, you that takes some go ass. You you really listen. You got to have some equity built up to get away with that one. Yeah, with the uh, former president, yeah, right? I think like, he has. The, yeah, right. You got to have a, a lot of equity built up to be like, but man, did you bang your wife after murdering that man? <laughs> <laughs> like, you, you know what I thought one. of? Did you see the movie Three Hundred? Yeah. Like, I wanted to see this on Twitter when he's, like, in the beginning standing naked and just put, like, Obama's face and he's worried about his kingdom. <laughs> and then he has sex with his wife. Whoa, you know another kicker? What business do you have asking my wife that? It's one thing if you ask me that, right? How dare you be asking my wife if I hit her after we took that, that took out the op? Like, that's crossing the damn and, line. And, you know, like... He's saying Michelle was going to answer the question, so he right. felt like he could answer. Is he using Michelle's wording? Like maybe Michelle was like, "Oh yeah, sure, I'll answer that right. for you." Right, and now right. he's trying to use that against Barack. So yeah, that one was a bit much, but yeah, enough of Jimmy Kimball asking about Barack banging out shapely Michelle Obama. I mean, that would All be right. some some tough, some really good sex. I would imagine. You want the tape? Well. Check the tape, right? Listen. <laughs> Official review. I got a lot of respect for Michelle Obama, so I wouldn't want that to be in the streets. I don't need no Michelle Obama or Kelly tape out here in the streets or yeah. whatever. We don't we don't want no Michelle Obama in the I would I would have to keep that one. Like if I found that, I would have to keep that buried for the culture 
and not allow it to ever reach. You'll the find it in D's basement, like the bootleg of Passion of the Christ right next to it. <laughs> On the same way. He's just, yeah. in and goes straight to It's like the Passion out. Straight and then the Obama <laughs> 16 just like slanted. <laughs> so there's, Ken, so there's not a set amount, if you ever had that tape, there's no set amount that you ever release it. Not on Michelle Obama. Okay. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that to Michelle Obama, and I probably wouldn't do that to Beyonce. Mm. Anybody well, else? Nobody wants to see her and Jay though. No, it's not. Yeah, I agree with you. That's 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 the bring down part. Even though I, I, it's nice to know that you want to see Barack Obama, but uh... <laughs> hey, that's my president. I know, right? <laughs> my president is black for real. Like I don't. You, you are black, black. All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh switching off, uh Ed Norton, this is from Yahoo Entertainment, uh came out and he was like, you know, I'm not a political pundit, but I grew up with a dad who's a federal prosecutor, uh, who was a Marine lieutenant who served in Vietnam before becoming a federal prosecutor under Jimmy uh Carter. He said, I also sat in a fair amount of poker games with serious players. Norton is an avid poker player, uh card shark rather, we know from the nineteen ninety eight poker thriller rounders with Matt Damon. This is what he had to say though about uh, Donald Trump. I don't think this is trying to make his base happy or laying the groundwork for his own network or the chaos that he loves, continue Norton. The core of it is he knows and in, 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 in he, in he's in deep, multi-dimensional legal jeopardy and defines every action we're seeing. Number one, a tactical delay of transition is to buy uh, time to cover up evidence and suppression. Two, above all, it's the desperate end game in which it is to create enough chaos and anxiety about a peaceful transfer of power and fear of irreparable damage to the system that he can cut a Nixon-style deal in exchange for finally conceding. But he doesn't have the cards. His bluffs after the flop has been called in the court. Uh, his turn card bluff will be the escalation of a river card bluff. Uh, he could be a really ugly. Uh, but he says to be called, he will not let his demonstrability in the U.S. have to deal. I'm sorry, but they have to be called. We cannot let this demonstrability in the U.S. into a deal to save his ass by threatening our democracy. This is his play, but we can't junk in his hand. So he called it um, real quick. He also said, but this is a, a, a contemplative tre uh, tre treasonous serious assault on the stability of our political uh, compact isn't about the 2024 uh, personal enrichment or anything else or anything uh, trying to use in chaos and threats to the foundation of the system of leverage and trade for a safe exit. Real quick, before we even dive in this, Ryan, do you play poker? Uh, not too much. A little okay. bit. Okay. But this, this one was a good one. Um, I hadn't even read it before putting it in here. Like to think that, the, listen, I'll say this. If that's the reason he's doing it, it's masterful. All right, like it's masterful. <laughs> if they, if he's sitting there doing this to negotiate that he won't get locked up, uh, that's off to you, Donald Trump. All right, like that's off to you. I, see, I mean, I see that you. sounds right, right? Like, I see you. Uh, yeah, that would like that. That would because you. But do you know the crazy part about it? It would sound logical. Yeah. Right. And how yeah. often do you hear logic coming from Donald Trump? You know what I'm saying? But it would sound yeah. so it would sound so logical. And I mean, the, the crazy thing is to remember, Trump is a huge Nixonian in a way like he is. a. He, you pay attention to a lot of the stuff that he says, you know, what I'm saying like he's a huge Nixonian. So, wow, if he pulled, listen. But you know what? To be honest with you, Democrats would probably do it with their little bitch asses. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, they probably would be like, okay, we just going to do it like this anyway because we some bitch asses. <laughs> <laughs> you look, because the fact that we're sitting here still uh, playing footsie with this motherfucker while he's doing this. And that, I'm watching the news last night this morning again. Again, I'm up in the middle of the night. And they're sitting there talking about Joe Biden is going to his grassroots donors because they can't get the money from the ASA. So now he's going to people asking them to donate so they can kind of get up and run it. Like, do you know how preposterous that is? Like, people just gave you money to win the election and you're coming back and y'all just y'all trying to play nice instead of full calling this dude out. Call is that call him out, dude. It's not going to be peaceful. You already know that. Right. So you, I know you're trying your best. And also the fact that Joe Biden turned 78 yesterday. Damn. That dude is old as shit. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, brother. You Trump old. Have, Trump would have been the oldest president, right? If he had won. Yeah, I believe so. If he, if he had won it, I believe so. Oh, during, during that four years, he would have been, okay. he would have been the oldest president, but now it's the 78 year old guy. That's going to be the <laughs> oldest president of two years from 80. All right. Like that's going to be 82 like, basically when he's out. That's like that's like death with his sickle is just waving yeah. that bad boy rhythmically. Forget Kamala, that's his running mate right there. Right. As but I listen, said before, he's the dick stocked of politics. Facts. So that, Man, they needed COVID to bring Dick Stockton from the grave this year. You got a lot of dick stock to hate. He just doesn't look right when I see him. <laughs> Flipping. You had a nice, you had a nice grave six feet under, and they dragged Oof. you out for this. That's that's messed up, Brian. <laughs> All right. So one thing when we're going through, and then you know another thing too, getting into this next topic. Next topic, uh, we saw yesterday was the first day that Trump popped out. He hadn't popped out publicly in a long time, and he kept going with the lies. As far as you know, I won, right? You know, I won. Right. Um, but the fact that for five months he hasn't met with his COVID commission and COVID is rampant. Like, dude, you see how many, they canceled the Clemson, they postponed the Clemson game, right? I mean, just think about this last week, how many people you saw, uh, what's his, uh, Garrett from the Browns, right? Like the, mm-hmm. one of the best edge rushes during the week, they like, you, you're not playing. Like so many people you've seen, and it's you've seen people every week, but this week you've seen it crazy from colleges to the pros where people are just sick for the last week and a half, I would say. And then we know that our numbers are climbing and you're still not even talking about this whatsoever. You're not even addressing it, right? He's covering up uh, his crimes and stuff. Right, right. That's what you're worried about. Not these people dying because you can't focus on being connected to anything that you deem as losing. It's very childish, to say the least. When the people's, I mean, listen, I don't, I mean, listen, you you think I would prefer not to have been wrong about Matt Nagy? Right? I was wrong. Right? right? That's like, I'm going to keep being like, man, my nigga, the greatest coach of all time, man. Like, <laughs> no, he's, I was wrong. Right? He's a bad coach. I mean, well, he's a, is he, a head coach. He's straight as a, as a, but what he was supposed to do, he's terrible. All right. And if he can't do that, then in all fairness, there's no really no reason to maintain him as a head coach. So he can go. But I mean, that's the same as COVID being out here and you're not addressing it and acting like it's just going to go away. And I'm talking about, a game and you're talking about lives and you still haven't done the things that you need you need to do well that's just his mo right like right? every time he does something right or allegedly good we'd always hear oh i did it i did it anything that went wrong 
oh, it was that person's fault. Oh, it was him. It was them. They stopped me. Da da da. Da da da. So I mean, that's that's kind of like just his presidency in short, right there. Mm, you know, his like, life. Right. I'm just going to ignore what I want to ignore, which is tough problems, and I'm going to take credit whenever I can. Right, right. So thing that popped up now, and we know that we, we didn't get another stimulus package and take care of some of the issues that are related to COVID, uh, you have uh, from USA Today, cash-strapped renters nationwide say their landlords tried to skirt COVID-19 eviction moratorium by changing locks, removing trash containers, so waste piled up, and in one case, attempting to unbolt the front door right off an apartment. Damn, right? They told, this is like the show Shit's Creek. Um, they told the state's attorney general that they, I guess neither one of y'all watched that show. They told the you state's know, attorney. I just started watching it. It looked pretty interesting. I did. We did too, but we're, we're, we're still in season one. That's when the doors got taken off the handles. All right. So did you start in season one or you just started? I just, with the I just like had, it was on TV and I just okay. kind of. You just jump in anywhere. Yeah. That's the type of guy you are. You just jump in the middle. Hey, and you, nasty. you know it. You know Exactly. It. That's why your hair needs to be washed before you. you, you <laughs> kids. Don't right. have to. <laughs> they, they told the state's attorney general that they were kicked out of their homes after landlords accused them of violating tenant rules, like smoking cigarettes inside of the units or failing to take the, the hitches off their mobile phones. Um, like Heidi Steak, who lost her job due to the pandemic and fell behind on rent. They assumed they were protected, but Stack uh, says her landlord found an end around to Wisconsin eviction ban. Instead of starting a court process, uh, he sent her a notice to vacate this summer because he was not renewing her lease. Uh, the type of informal extrajudicial eviction is a workaround, a patchwork of emergency state and federal rules created this year to prevent landlords from ejecting tenants in an unstable or crowded living arrangement during a health emergency. Eric Dunn, director of litigation at the National uh, House Law Project, said since the pandemic started and courts froze their docks on a moratorium, uh, we've seen a huge spike in tactics from landlords to get people out, including changing locks, cutting off utility service, refusing to make repairs, making threats, providing misinformation and any other creative way to accuse someone of lease violation that fits the exception in the moratorium. Tricks and intimidations behind the scenes add some more overt effort by landlords to legally evict tenants. With statewide bans largely expired by the Federal Protection of Citizens Disease Control and Prevention Moratorium nearing the final days. That's just messed up. You know, like yeah. it's, I mean, it's on several levels. Let me, let me, like, your government is supposed to take care of us in this situation, but um, those landlords also got to get money too because they got bills that need to be paid also. You know, I'm not even just saying this. Is, like, I mean, some of these tactics are just messed up. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, that that is that is going a bit too far. That is going too far. I shouldn't say a bit too far. That's being me being rude. Um, but still, like, if, if I'm going to be out on the streets because my tenants aren't paying me anything, what am I supposed to do? But again, I feel, I feel more for the tenants, but also like people, you, you look at landlords uh, and you think, you know, saying they live in high off the hog and some of them, those landlords are living check to check, basically like you for the, for the most part. So you can't look at them all as a monolith of evil. You know what I'm saying? Like some of these people need their money because this is how they were planning on paying off their bills and, uh, and whatnot. Yeah. I think, uh, <laughs> You know, there's probably some terrible landlords out there that are using these tactics because they have wind of a new tenant that would start paying them. So it's right, like, oh, I can make money. Let me just Great take point. these people out. And to your point, too, 
there's plenty of very wealthy landlords and landowners that are charging rent that could definitely, you know, stay afloat and don't need you as much currently to pay the bills. And they're probably being a little greedy, but I'm sure not all of them are. But the ones that you talked about, the landlords live in paycheck to paycheck because they're definitely out there. Yeah, you feel bad for them and you feel terrible for any tenant. I mean, now is not the time to be figuring out where you're living when we should all be quarantining inside our domiciles and not be right. out on the streets whatsoever. Right. Like, it's for everybody. And obviously, you know, you need money, you need to eat, you need to pay for things. So, it, drastic times, drastic measures. But, like you pointed out, Ken, the government should be stepping in here. Like, we don't need anybody out on the streets just because bills can't be paid when a virus is going on and this isn't anyone's fault. It's just everyone has to deal with it the way that they're dealing with it. Yeah, I'm with you, Ken. There, there's, I can see it from both sides. Like you said, all tenants are not terrible, but not all landlords are crooked either. I was reading this story off of CBS2Chicago.com about, about a month, a month and a half ago. There was a landlord that, um, you um, that you guys were talking about relating to that story that he couldn't pay his bills because there was a couple of tenants in his building. They have jobs, but because uh, these tenants were basically hustling the system, you know, taking advantage because of what we're going through right now, uh, not, not paying their rent at all. So they've basically been living quote unquote free for the last year and they have buying expensive stuff and just um, spending money on foolish things, and and this tenant asked. What, are, them, what, what was the stuff, Sydney? Give us a give us a description. I can't remember what it what okay. it was specifically. I uh, but I know it was like clothes and something else to that. Probably effect. electronics. Basically, you could say it like that. That was that was, that was the gist that I picked up from the story. But this tenant was complaining, like, well, these people. Uh, didn't couldn't pay their rent. It's not like they they fell on hard times. If they had enough money to buy all this uh, material stuff, they could pay their rent, which I agree with them on. It's like I I feel sorry for those people that really have had hard times. Then those uh, people that I'm talking about, they make it they make the people who are really struggling uh, look bad. And I, and, I, and I get it from the tenant side that th those people that are taking advantage of the of the situation being crooked, uh, that's just not right. I agree, but you know, I'm a, I want to look good during the pandemic, and my rent, I've spent $200 on something ain't the same as paying that $900 to, to them. I may not have that, so, and how do you know what type of electronics I have in my apartment, sir? I'm just asking you. <laughs> that huh? Huh? Like, so, Prove it. It's, it's funny. This kind of bleeds into this next topic because, and it's a good topic, but it's one of the things that this topic doesn't address is the is, is privilege to it. And it's from Yahoo Life. It's uh, real quick, again, Flipping Friends, um, Ken of Davis, uh, Ryan Bukabeski, and Sid the Kid, uh, Sidney Brown. Uh, but one of the things that it pops out is why do we have a 40-hour work week? Depending on your career, that affects your life uh, very directly, even if it never crossed your mind. It's also a question at the heart of a viral TikTok by management coach, Emily Bastoros. Uh, her video, uh, which has more than 1.6 million views, explains why she believes a 40-hour work week is tragically outdated. Emily begins her video by uh, noting that the concept of 40-hour work week was created by the Ford Motor Company, which we were talking about about the uh, early before the show in the early 1900s. As Emily points out, the concept proved effective for industrial jobs to ask people to perform one repeated task. However, 
So many of today's jobs are project-based, meaning they involve complex and constantly different tasks. Emily says the standard week doesn't really fit with that kind of role. We roll around this eight-hour-per-day framework in an industry where it doesn't make sense, she explains. But just having someone keep themselves busy for eight hours, you're losing so much productivity. Uh, Emily went on to, to note that Ford's eight-hour day, uh, five-day work week, working style was created in a different era. Back then, most women stayed home, and commuting was uh, completely different. Additionally, Americans didn't have technology to efficiently work from home. This framework has created by one man and one industry 100 years ago, and we have not improved. The management coach suggested that every industry do the same critical thinking and seeing the type of work uh, week suits their employees. Real quick, she said, I feel like COVID proved that we don't actually need to be in office anymore which again is privilege. I'm privileged from this. We definitely need uh, improvements. Other co uh, co commenters brought up countries like Japan, Japan Germany, where uh, examples of a four-day work week, this is one thing I was thinking about reading this, have often uh, been seen as to boost productivity. Early in 2020, New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Aldern suggested that her country move away from the typical five-day work week. I think we should have four-day work weeks. Uh, I'll say that much. I, I definitely believe that. Uh, her point about project-based it's true. Like, I mean, I, I mean, I have a lot of flexibility in my schedule. You know, I can get up in the middle of the night and start working on some things if I feel like it. You know what I'm saying? But again, I, one thing about this, going back to the other subject about with the renters, you're talking about people that may have jobs. And we've seen this from COVID where people of color usually are the people that are in the service industry and they can't work from home. You know what I'm saying? So one, those people get sick. Those people either lose their jobs because there's restaurants aren't open or they're, they're, they're not open in capacity enough to really uh, break even or make any money. Uh, and it's just all the types of jobs that usually you have people on the, the lower end of the spectrum working. So this is a great article, but it leans towards people of privilege more, you know, and usually those people don't look like me, but I'm lucky enough that I do benefit them benefit this from this, this instance. So I, I will wonder how this will apply with other industries, but I do believe that we have to free up more time for living. We cannot just sit here and live in a world where basically only two days out of the week, you can do whatever you want to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's kind of ridiculous. Like, when you really think about what life is about, that's right. fucked up, right? Like, that's like that's really, think about like 300 years ago, well, a thousand years ago, Right. Man got up and looked for his food all day. Mm -hmm. Right. And basically did whatever the hell else, you know. But now, depending on if he was a hunter, hunter or gatherer or depending on if there were some uh, people that was uh, farmers or whatever, you know, you know how long that both of them take. But still, the gist was to put food on the plate, your food on the plate and fur on your backs, basically, and to cre create weapons out of bones. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? But when you look at now, like we kind of build reasons to still use that framework. Instead of looking at how to efficiently cut it back, uh, we, we one because they don't want to pay you. Because listen, I'm gonna pay you hourly, right? Instead of pay like even though you know people get paid salary, but even with salary in a way, you're still kind of getting paid hourly if you, if especially, especially if you, you work overtime. That's what I was just about to say. If you work overtime, it lets you know because they back in the days how it used to get you like, yo, sorry, you get overtime. It's like, no, nah, you just can't use me. You know what I'm saying? So you know, you're still on an hour. You're still hourly basis. You know what I'm saying? But just as because I want to sit here and say, well, listen, I need eight hours of your time. Or even the, the thing of having an office space, like I want to be in here watching your ass. The job gets done 
and it's it's done well is the only thing that's necessarily important. But again, everyone doesn't necessarily have the benefit from being in those types of industries where they can still uh, make a living while the pandemic has been taking place. Yeah, I think this just kind of speaks to the overall jobs problem that we have in this country moving forward. Like, you know, everything's all about specialization. And then you got robotics coming in. You're seeing like all these fast food places, like they're going to they're going to be on robotics. They're not going to have they might have one or two people working, something like that. And then everything else is going to be taken care of by a kiosk and cooking machines or whatever. And it's going to be just like Ford Motor Company, just pushing out tacos, pushing out burgers, whatever. And then you're going to see all these other industries affected by that. But the people at the top, the businesses and all that, you know, how many jobs are they creating for people? And I would think with a four-day work week, that would work so much better. You could hire more people. You can keep your business open all week. But then maybe not everybody's being overworked constantly because usually what do you do? Oh, well, let's just – if we've got four or five jobs and this person can do that, we'll just hire one person. And we'll let them do four or five jobs, and we'll boost them slightly. We won't pay them for four or five jobs. But maybe we'll pay them for one and a half, and we'll say, hey, you're making good money. And then, like, like your point, Ken, like, I mean, what is the point of living at that point? Just making a company and ultimately a few individuals very rich? Right. Yeah, so that okay. you can just have enough money to survive and then have a couple days to yourself? Right. And it's stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, picking back off your point, Ryan, you might see this. Uh, we always see, uh, we talked about it before many times on the show about the fast food industry, in particular in McDonald's. They started this about a year or so ago. But you may see this in grocery stores too, in Walmarts, in these department stores too. You know, some of these department stores already shut down uh, due to this pandemic, but you might see it in Walmart and some of your favorite grocery stores as well. So maybe only one or two people working. And where I, where I, one of the grocery stores that I shop at, uh, you still see some uh, lines here and there, but they point mo- most of the people to your uh, check yourself out line. So you see more that's starting to grow slowly as well. So I just want people to pay attention to that as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, automation- I mean if you're a young person and you don't have much money in your household and you want to get a job, you might not be able to get a job soon. Well, you know what? To be honest, would be honest with that, those jobs have been taken up by old people anyway. Like we, right. we, uh-huh. we always say this when I was in high school and you was going to that fast food window, you was like, let me get right. Cause it was using yeah. some honey. You was yeah. like, let me it was some 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 babes all right on, on coming pulling up to the window. It is nothing but grandmas, and I mean like 40-year-old grandmas, not like 60-year-old grandmas. Grandma, like you this uh, those are people's job jobs now, which tells mm-hmm. you how bad the market is like, and I mean, maybe I don't know if teenagers want that. You do see teenagers in there, but you know, when we were younger, it was all teenagers in a manager, basically, you know what I'm saying? Like that's, that was basically, that's basically what the fast food industry was. Now I would say maybe it's half and half. It depends on the time of day too, half and half. Oh, but it's more, it seems like it's leaning towards adult adults in those roles uh, trying to make ends meet. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's also like, you know, uh, some of these people lost their jobs, can't get another one, so you have to work at McDonald's. And if you're a young kid, I mean, depending on where you live, your household, I guess you can get away with not having a job for a while, potentially. And man, that's got to be that's got to be rough. You can't find another job, so let me just go to McDonald's, and that's my new full time job. 
Well, Ryan, you can sell drugs. So, um, <laughs> especially in Oregon. I'm just saying. It's, it's, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm joking, but th- this also is not why everyone may be doing something illegal, but it points to hey, why. Only fans? Hey, that's not hurting nobody, though. It's no, like, but maybe all of a sudden, if you're a girl internet. with any type of attraction or a guy, let me just put my naked body on the, on the old saw, internet. Legal prostitution. I saw a clip on someone's social media that was like, uh, you only made uh, $26 all month from your OnlyFans. You need to just go ahead and put your clothes on, sis. <laughs> uh, uh, listen, it's funny. It's funny, real quick, with full disclosure. I, we were having a discussion, a household discussion, uh, after the night about OnlyFans. She had asked me a question. And I was saying, like, I, some people, you know, OnlyFans stuff is not, you know, something that's sexual or anything. It's just, you know, like they're artists or something and they have OnlyFans. But I was like, yeah, but I think a large majority of it are uh, people trying to sell some type of, uh, you know, sexual fantasy yeah, or something some- like that. Right. And I was telling her from when Dedrin had told us about how people on the, the, the dark web snatch those OnlyFans off and sell them and they make even more money than the person that's the only fans. And it was funny, an older cousin of mine had sent me a only fans of Malia. And this is the girl that used to be like in, in Drake, she used to be in Drake's first video of one of his first few videos. And also she, he would always rap about her or whatever. Wow, I see why well, some people may. <laughs> Because I, I was like, man, like why, would you, you see, sir? why would you pay for it? <laughs> I, I, listen, I was like, <laughs> listen, I don't, I would not spend my money on the OnlyFans, but I did feel like I should send her a few shekels. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a donate button? I'm just saying, listen, I know you get paid for this. Someone, some piracy sent me, some pirate sent this. Sister, here you go, because I, I see you. I see, it's, and let them know how long Drake been out. She was popular when Drake first came out, right? And this looked like a current video right here, right? She held up very well, very, very well, to say the least. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's, hey, I, try, hey, I, try to break, I have to break the honesty. I have to sell, give you something if you're going to spend time with us. I can't be out here and be on BS and acting like a saint 24-7. Or oh, I'm just trying to be a regular person telling you about regular lives and stuff. There's nothing to hide. I'm a grown-ass man. She's an attractive woman. I even, Listen, I even told her later. It's like, man, he sent me this. I'll let you know how bad. <laughs> Let's know how bad she was in that video. <laughs> You're like, man, let me tell you what I see. <laughs> Woof. Woof. <laughs> oh, see, if you, see if you have it. Well, I forgot. You, you don't want to see a beautiful sister. <laughs> Brother every time. Strikes again. Every time. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. We Is she white? More. All right, all right, all right. Uh, this one is coming from uh, uh, this is coming from the uh, up uh, all that smoke podcast, his career, but also kind of talking about what happened during the end of their uh, rundown in uh, Miami with uh, Dwayne Wade and uh, LeBron James, and necessarily how he felt about how things ended down there at the end of their run. Clear talk to you in 
talked about amongst you three. How did you find out he was decided to go back to uh, take his talents back to Cleveland? Through a text. <laughs> Through a text. I thought he was BSing, and then, you know, about 10 minutes later, it's everywhere. Um, I understand it. I, I get it at the time. At the time, I didn't understand it. Um, at the time, in my mind, I was ready to put the team back together so we could, you know, because we had just lost. Um, so we wanted to put put something back together uh, so we could win. Um, and it really didn't go like that. Uh, you know, I, I took offense to it, to be honest with you, at first. Um, I was only thinking of um, how I felt about it. And, you know, Competitor, and you know, to be honest with you, shit. When you go back to the locker room and Brian ain't in that chair, and then everybody's kind of looking at you for that twenty-five points and looking at D for that twenty-five points, you know, it's like, damn, man, (laughs) 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 my knee hurts. You know, like, uh, but you know, you 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 realize how uh, we really did realize how special of a player he was. But at that time, I was, uh, you know, I'm super competitive. Um, I was upset. Uh, still, it still worked out for everybody. Um, but I was upset and it took some time to get over it. I want to say it took months to get over it. You know, me and, uh, we had to be in the same place and talk about it. Uh, you know, uh, nothing deep, but just, you know, just talk and get back to, uh, to the good terms and, you know, get back to where we were. And, you know, it's, uh, it, I'm glad we did. And, you know, it, it, it was tough to deal with, but at the same time, we uh, we had to get to back to a mode of not rebuilding, but uh, getting more out of ourselves and out of our team. And, you know, not always having that easy thing to rely on number six to do his job. And, mm-hmm. and you know, you're going to get 20, 28, 8 and 8, and, and all I got to right. do is this. You know, it, it shuffled Crazy. things up, you know? All right. So now, obviously, Braun's gone. That's giving you and D Wade more responsibility back on both your guys' plays. Alrighty. I thought Chris Bosh wanted him to leave so he can get some of those touches and points. No, he just wanted that money that uh, he was either going to get from Dallas or he was going to get right there because Chris Bosh never wanted to go home to Texas. We all know that, right? But, uh, but still, I mean, my only thing was – I've always admired – Chris Bosh has always talked about one with Kevin Love that, you know, playing for LeBron, you're going to have to sacrifice a lot because noticing that it was going to – he was going to be the Chris Paul – I mean, Chris uh, Chris uh, Bosh person as far as D-Wade for the most part, especially initially, was still D-Wade. Remember, they took that season until D-Wade was like, Bron, and show team, go with it. But D-Wade still basically got to be D-Wade for the most part, even though he slightly took a step back. And also he was getting older and he was missing games. Where Chris Bosh had to totally change his game and become this 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 3 and D player, basically. You know what I'm saying? And, I mean, when you think about his range of defense, like I, when people kind of say, like, man, I was a big two, you're not really paying attention to – basketball-wise, all the stuff that Chris Bosh was doing defensively uh, as far as switching off and, like, how well he was playing necessarily and how he basically had to give up his play. Because also this is a time where LeBron first started playing more in the post. The models years in Cleveland, initially when he got down to Miami, people was like, man, why don't you take your ass down to the post? All right, so there's not even any space for him necessarily down there. Plus, how often would they want him down there when you have two perimeter players and they want space in any way because neither one of them are great three-point shooters? You know what I'm saying? But when, to hear him say that, uh, man, you know, I, I, I had this and he was taking all this off of me, 
you know, that was some, I want to say it was disheartening, but it, it's, it, 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 it it's kind of like, so how much of this was, you know what I'm saying? You were giving up something or you were just like, well, just go ahead and do it then. So that's the only thing that jumped out to me. I too, uh, I feel a certain kind of way. If we had a four year run to the finals and you text me, you know what I'm saying? Like now, again, I mentioned this with Hillary Clinton at the beginning of the show, maybe when he was pouring that wine all over himself, praising the Brown, <laughs> like, I don't know, like, I don't know how close we really are. I'm, I'm joking, but, um, yeah, you got to hit me. You got to listen. You know what? You got to call me. Like, if we yeah. ain't got to face to face, you owe me a phone call. Just a straight like, listen, bro, I'm sorry. I know we can sit here and run it back, but I, I got I, I got something to do. You know, I got to go. And uh, I apologize, but I got to be true to myself. But don't text me like that. And we like we really ran, ran together. Now, I understand if this was like um, Birdman, you know what I'm saying? Or like, you know, somebody just yeah. ended the bench, ended the bench. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, Adonis Haslam. No, you can't do it to Haslam because okay. that was his team. You can't do it to you, you know. You couldn't do it to Mike Mo- Miller. No, no, yeah, Eddie House. What was the little oh, guard from Cleveland? Mario State? Chalmers. Mario Chalmers too, but it was the little guard from Cleveland State that they used to always uh, talk oh, about. Oh, North Cole. <laughs> and North, like you can definitely do it to North Cole. All right, <laughs> you don't do that shit to me. All right, I'm like for real. You hit me. Listen, you get me and D Wade on three way or something. All right, and let alone D Wade should have been like because remember D Wade saw they D Wade was out somewhere with LeBron prior to him announcing it. He knew before Pat Riley did kind of think how it was going to go or whatever. Um, but like, don't, yeah, you can't do me like that. But see, if you, was, how would you feel if that situation had played out and you were Chris Bosh? Yeah, especially after we've been through four year, straight years to the finals with a back-to-back championship seasons in there. I, I would, the uh, uh, Street, I would have felt that way too. Uh, like you say, things didn't end well in that 2014 season, losing to the Spurs, but we went through everything, good, bad, and different together. At least uh, if you don't want to see me face-to-face, uh, what we're doing right now, uh, give me a FaceTime, Skype, or whatever, just send it a text and not – not even if you send me a text, you say, "Oh, let me talk to you on the phone," or "Let me set up a, a face-to-face meeting with you." If he didn't do that, then that's that's a problem, especially if someone that you worked with closely throughout your past four years, day in and day out. Uh, you, you don't have to be the best of friends or like each other in any way, but it's all about respect at the end of the day. Right, man. I mean, LeBron riding that bike to the stadium all the time. Can't ride your bike over to Chris Bosh. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Bosh, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, so I, that, and then like the that. kids will start running with LeBron. That's what I was thinking. He's gonna be behind him. I'm out, man. I'm gonna go. Right. He's gonna tell the crowd, hold on, hold on. We gotta make a stop here. Yo, boss, come out. All right, let's keep going. What? What? What you say, bro? And check your phone. Check your phone. <laughs> Oh man! All right, all right. Real quick, Ken, does uh, Chris Bosh belong in the Hall of Fame, the Basketball Hall of Fame? Hell yeah, he belongs in the Hall of Fame. It's the be- listen. Let's not forget, it's the Basketball Hall yeah. of Fame. He went mm-hmm. to the finals four times. He was one of the key players during his career. Because also during his career, you could say he was a top uh, top three power forward at certain particular times. You also got to remember the power forwards that kind of was popping during his time was the fight between Kevin Love and Blake Griffin. Now think about that. Yeah. This isn't, this isn't uh, Chris Webber, Sheed, Dirk, Kevin Garnett. You know what I'm saying? Like this, this isn't like those guys. Like this, this was like 
Now, I mean, we were, now mind you, we were like, when Kevin Love was rebounding like that, we was like, damn, and when Blake Griffin finally was healthy. But, I mean, in all fairness, they, 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 this wasn't an era of great power forwards at this time. So, I mean, he, and he is better than both of them. I mean, period. All right? When you look at what he can do, what he did defensively in Miami was spectacular. All right? Like, especially to be someone that's that long and tall. You know, like, Shotty was getting low. You know what I'm saying on that switch off. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I will put him in the Hall of Fame. Off of he's a he 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 went to the finals four times. He he won twice. Uh, he was one of the key players involved in it. Yeah, I I put him eleven in there. time All Star. Yeah, I would. I think he deserves to to be in the Hall of Fame. You know what I'm saying. And his career was cut short a little bit too. We can't. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he was he he, no, he 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 probably be still playing now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If you, if you really he'd think probably about be it. on that Heat team that just went to the right. I mean, he, he, no, he would have probably just left. That that contract would have ran out around okay. now. Probably yeah. in the last year moved it to free up cap space. But yeah, but he yeah, would have been on the Bulls. He would have been somewhere. Somebody would <laughs> somebody would have paid a, a, a seven footer that can shoot and is agile. Now he wouldn't be as agile as he was back then. But he would, and, and again, he's he's not this person with, with the ferocity that they have. But he would be like old man KG with the Celtics playing five. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like it would be, and it wouldn't be the same as Chris Bosh. Chris Bosh, the same as Kevin Garnett was the same as he was in uh, in Minnesota. But yeah, he you you seven foot, you can last in the NBA for a moment if you're not hurt. And for and especially with guys. his arsenal. Of right. offensive, like exactly. he's a shooter, or he can do a little bit at the elbow. He can get put, the, the, put the ball on the court. Yeah, you can do a little bit of it. But yeah, last segment. Uh, something took place uh, Thursday night. I said I don't know if you watched it because I know this isn't your cup of tea. Uh, initially, it was supposed to be uh, Ti versus Jeezy, which was kind of like, what the hell kind of matchup is that, right? But uh, and, and Jeezy had mentioned that, you know, he had asked Gucci Man to be a uh, do the verses with him. But Gucci pol- uh, politely uh, declined uh, two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, a switch. It was Gucci and Jeezy. Uh, it, it was appointment viewing in my house. Um, we were more in our younger age where we were Jeezy fans because that motivation. Jeezy, in a way, connects me to um, Nipsey Hustle because their music put a battery in my back. I, I kind of say Jeezy is 1.0 and Nipsey is 2.0 because Nipsey had more of a plan as far as what people of color and people need to do with their money and stuff like that. If you look to listen to his lyrics and stuff like that, but both of them made you as Jeezy would say, let's get it. Like he was like, he was, hey, let, let's get this money. It's Michael Phelps. Remember Michael Phelps is a huge Jeezy fan, right? That's what he used in the Olympics to get him going because Jeezy, <laughs> Jeezy puts a battery, uh, battery in your pack. With Gucci, he was probably a little bit better, uh, more. He's he's a tad bit more ignorant, but more refined as far as clever with what he does when he's rapping. But uh, clone Gucci, for everybody's know, because Gucci isn't as crazy as he used to be after coming out of jail. Was he was back to being Gucci? <laughs> Goodness gracious! Listen, uh, I was watching right. And I was typing in the comments, Apple would get mad at me. And I'm like, why are you mad? She's like, because what if someone sees your comment? I'm like, who cares what I'm typing? <laughs> she was really like, you should stop. And I'm like, who cares? If they don't agree with me, what does it matter, right? So um, we're sitting there watching it. And if you didn't see it, uh, one, initially I was leaning towards Gucci because Jeezy wasn't giving enough energy. It was like, just play the song. It's like, nah, you got to be there. You got to make us connect and feel the track. You just can't put it on and just sit there like this. 
you gotta, and you know, for the most part, Gucci was standing the whole time or whatever. And the younger generation, and it's funny because even though they came out at the same time, because of like going in and out of jail, because of the situation that they fell out about. Because if you didn't remember that um, they did the song So Icy and Def Jam wanted that song to be on Jeezy's album. Jeezy's quote unquote said he didn't even like the song, but there was a falling out because of that song. It was a Gucci Man song, uh, which the kids love. And this is part of the reason the kids love Gucci. Like I used to watch my little cousins and my like my little brother, they used to sing that song like, ooh, so I, and I be like, that song is kind of corny, right? <laughs> but they would sing it and sing it. And I would pay attention to how they drifted towards Gucci. Like, just like people like Tony and stuff like that, they're more Gucci people. You know what I'm saying? Like when Tony was talking about his little sister didn't know that Jeezy was even a rapper. She thought that he just went with <laughs> old girl from the chat, the talk, or whatever show that is. I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but that that view format show that his his fiance or his wife, I think they're married now, his wife is on. She thought she, he was just that that lady's husband, and that and he's not Jeezy. And Tony was like, "No, he sold so many drugs to kill people." It was just funny. It was a joke. <laughs> but, but um, the, but but to sit there and when we were watching it. And uh, Gucci is just going in. Oh, let me go get back to set the story. So, and this is for people that didn't necessarily know, like City. And I'm not even saying this is City. I'm just pointing out. So, then said, uh, Jeezy makes a song basically and puts a put money on Gucci's head to, and said, "Give me that so icy chain. I'll pay somebody so and so much money." Gucci ends up getting kidnapped by somebody signed to Jeezy's label, CTE. So it's like, I believe it was two dudes and a lady. They're, they're, I don't know if they're drinking or smoking or if they're playing cards. They're doing something, and they got Gucci in his house with them. They kidnapped him, right? These these fools, unfortunately, I hate to say it, they leave, someone leaves their pistol right close to where Gucci can pick it up. Gucci grabs the pistol, starts shooting, and bails out a window. He hits and kills the dude that signed into Jeezy's label. So basically, it's like Jeezy had a hit out on Gucci, and Gucci had to kill someone to get away is that that's where their beef comes from. It's not a play beef. It's a real beef. You know what I'm saying? So during this, they're going back and forth and Jesus trying to kind of calm them down. And Jesus, he's, he's being very calm while Gucci has been disrespectful. So Gucci goes to this song where it's basically, it's a diss track, but he says it on the track. It's not a diss track because it's the truth, but he's talking about, he's talking about, and unfortunately we kind of hear this here and I'm not going to say what they say here to the gangs in Chicago, but he was talking about smoking on, I forget uh, what the friend's name was. Uh, it was two something, but he was like, Man, that's, kind of, that's a disrespectful thing what they do with the ops nowadays. And that happens here in Chicago. Uh, or whatever, but he was just like, man, and, and, and Jesus was trying to be like, calm down, like, man, it ain't about that. And he was like, man, you, I told you I was going to tell my truth. And even though Gucci's being, you would call it disrespectful, remember, that he, he don't know what they were going to do to him. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was kidnapped, all right? Like, you don't know what they about to right. do to you, right? You're like, kidnapped and there's a gun. Yeah, and then on top of that, and I was getting to initially why Gucci's was, was rollout was so slow before he became Gucci, right? Because it took like maybe five years before he just took the soul out of the, the next generation. Those kids, they love, like, dr Chicago drill music comes from his veins, all right? Like, that that's that's comes from his lane of trap, and then Chicago did something different with it, especially sonically or whatever. But 
when you sit there and you think about the fact that um, this, you know, dude is sitting there saying this crazy stuff, but he almost like his career could have been over. He could have been dead at 24. Now look how old they are. They're, they're both 40 something. They're at least 40 to 43 probably. Right. And they could have died right there. But, and I was like, I said, I kept leaning towards Gucci because he was giving more energy, even though like the songs, I I, 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 I really kind of fuck with both of them, but Gucci is a, a clear, I mean, uh, Jeezy's a cleaner package because of like Def Jam and he actually has albums. Well, Gucci just did a lot of mixtapes and just pushed out a lot of music. So it wasn't necessarily curated. So sometimes like it's a lot of stuff you could just kind of throw out of there before you kind of get to the gym sometime or whatever. But the thing was that swayed me to Jeezy was when Jeezy basically finally got through to Gucci and was like, look, man, this is for the culture. Basically, we need to stop. Like we're not we're not here to act like what, what we were acting like 15 years ago. And then Gucci goes on to say, you extended an olive branch to me and I accepted it. And uh, at that point, it's already like I want, I'm watching. I'm like, when are they gonna do the mixtape, right? Like, <laughs> like, yo, like, like, oh, I know, you know, they, if they look, if you could tour right now, the tour would be being discussed. If you could tour right now, but uh, listen, it, it was it, it, watching it. I was like, this is gonna break the record for uh, for verses. And I've watched a decent amount of all the verses, almost all of the verses at least. Uh, this one was epic because of what it meant, though. Like. This was huge, huge, huge hip hop beef, and for it to be squashed to a certain extent now, because uh, Jesus kind of did the car wash as far as he's he's made the rounds on Friday and popped up a lot of places. We haven't seen Gucci yet, so we got to see what Gucci has to say to know because where his headspace necessarily is. But it's still, it was it was kind of it was dope. I mean, I hope they can move forward. They don't have to be best. They don't have to be friends. They can just be cordial. But it was still something epic to actually see it uh, take place. Uh, that was a dope. That was a dope. I'm happy that Gucci actually did it uh, because that one's the one that I think all of us that were still kind of messing with hip hop around that time. Uh, that was the one you, even if you really weren't messing with hip hop and you just noticed the, the backstory, it was something to necessarily see if it was gonna go left. Because I, I told after, like, I think they they gonna be wrestling. I hope you know. I was like, I was like, they're in the same room. It's gonna be some wrestling going on or something because I can't see it happening or whatever. Uh, but yeah, it was definitely interesting. Ryan, did you uh, happen to uh, partake since you are a whore to the black car? I did not partake. Mm-hmm. Not but <laughs> you know what I really like about it that you just talked about? I mean, all year long, we talked about how many young rappers getting gunned down. Like, it's great to have that example. Like, maybe that saves a couple people moving forward. Like, just understanding, like... It's it's all stupid. Like in 15 years, if nothing happens, you're gonna look back and say, "Man, that would have been really dumb if I did that," and I would have really hurt not only like the community, but the hip hop world, the rap world, everything. Like everything yeah. gets it gets punctuated with that, and you know how important music is to people. Period. I mean, it's a lifeblood for a lot of us. And when you get robbed of, you know, good talent over stupid stuff, you just, I mean, that's the worst. So hopefully this is a great example moving forward for everybody. Sit. Yeah, I can agree with uh, with most of what Ryan says. If you're battling over stupid stuff and lives are being lost, uh, it's just not worth it. It kind of reminds me of the Tupac Biggie thing, although it was something totally different between two other different people. Of course, both those gentlemen lost their lives tragically. So, you know, if it's about the music, just make it about the music itself, just having outside elements and stupid stuff, um, 
uh, ruining the pure the purity of music, whatever art form that you're doing. So, like you like you said, right, just losing lives over silly stuff. It, it just doesn't make any sense. See, have you watched any of the verses? Not really. I read reviews about a, a couple of them, but I haven't really watched any of them. I really haven't had had the time to watch any of them. Okay, I mean, yeah, it's around the time you'd probably be going to work anyway. Uh, so yeah, but you—it's been a couple that you may have enjoyed. Like you didn't the Eric Badu Jill Scott one. Um, I heard about that one. Yeah, the uh, the Teddy Riley. Who the Teddy Riley go? Babyface one. See, that's that's right there for you, Sydney. You should have. Yeah, I heard that was. You would have loved that. You would have loved. You would have loved that. Teddy, <laughs> Teddy Riley started this whole like Ted, whoo, Teddy Riley was going to give us a concert. Listen, the funny thing is. What Teddy Riley kind of tried to do is what ended up becoming what it was. Because initially, because of the pandemic, people were doing it in two different places. And mm-hmm. Teddy Riley was like, man, I'm going I'm to put on a show and be dancing and out here and we're going to be doing all this. And really, it was the Bounty Killer, uh, uh, what was the Bounty Killer Beanie Man one, where they were together. That was the first one. And I think that's when people kind of was like, oh, they need to be in the same room. And then you got... Jada Kiss and Fab was in the same like ever since then. Uh, uh, John Legend and uh, 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 um, Alicia Keys in the same room. Uh, th- that's when it became. That's that's when they found the true formula. Is when you can sit there test and get these artists together, uh, and, and that's the, the way to do it. Instead of trying to use trying to tr- to really use uh, Instagram, strain Instagram by having someone from one place being another because it, it it's too wonky, uh, really like that. So there are been a, f- a couple if necessarily. You didn't care for the uh, Jeezy versus Gucci man. They're still from you know generation. I, I want to see some of those older artists. Oh uh, yeah. Also, real quick, they had I, I'm, I, I just like they had Gladys Knight and Patti LaBelle. See it? Yeah, I heard about that one too. I know Brandy yeah. and Monica had one too. Brandy and Monica had one, and Gladys Knight and uh, Patti LaBelle. They brought out Dionne Ward. Like you're, you're telling you something for everybody on that man. You're, you're messing up. You're, you're losing out, Sydney. You need to be yeah. part of the culture. Real quick, the whole. Uh, verses will do this to teach everybody, including our young listeners and viewers out there. The greatest rap battle, period. I don't give a damn what you say. Kumo D versus LL Cool J. I'm done. First of all, let me tell you this. I was more of a Mo D guy back then. All right. Me too. I love them both. I was more Mo D. You I know love that. them both. I love them both. But Mo D ain't got the hits to run up on LL. I'm just, I'm just, because you got to have 20 hits, Sid, to do it. You have to have 20 hits. Now, he can try to use some of that Treacherous 3 stuff, but I mean, I don't even know if you got enough hits if you use the Treacherous 3 stuff with cool, with the cool Mo D stuff. I, mean, I, I get it, but it's just like, for, for instance, like Snoop Dogg battled DMX, which was like, you could, you could tell because of Swiss being involved. Because DMX is trying to get Jay-Z to do it. And it's like, come on now. But the person that, there's only like two rappers, if that, if there's two, they could probably take on Jay-Z. And there's Snoop. And Snoop didn't even use all his good stuff on uh, DMX. So you know he's planning to do somebody else. There's Snoop, maybe LL, but see the times, sometimes you, you want the persons to kind of be around the same time because... The listeners can you can know if you listen to both of them at the same time. Even though you would think I say this, even though with like Jeezy and Gucci, you could still see two different generations of uh, when as far as the fan base was. I was watching like Twenty One Savage uh, this morning, and they was just throwing in with all the lyrics to Gucci shit. Right, like it was like well, so I'm saying it was like boy, y'all are passionate, right? Like y'all are <laughs> you know, but but so that's part of the problem. Said like you want the genres to be close. And again, you could do that with. 
with LL and Kumo D, but you got to have the hits because it sometimes it just it doesn't make sense. Like so now it's Ti versus Lil Wayne. Now Lil Wayne should win this. Lil Wayne has, but T, but the problem with Ti versus Jeezy, people forget, and I saw people was like, man, who the hell is Ti? I was like, dog, Ti basically, and, I, and I'm not saying this in a negative way. Ti crossed over, like you know, Ti had before he, before he got locked up again. Chevy commercials. I mean, just like you, you gotta know how big Ti is. You know what I'm saying? Like you just can't throw anybody in there with Ti. You know, Buster wants that Ti smoke, but then Ti uses the fact that they come from different eras as a way to say that they shouldn't necessarily battle. But again, just want to point it out that that was good to see uh, Jeezy and Gucci Man, regardless of uh, if there are any. And I'm not saying I think they're arterial motives, but regardless of them, they were what it means to see people to know. Man, you gotta let go. And I mean, I hate to say let go when somebody had to die because that person's family still lost somebody. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If that person had kids, their father isn't there. So it's easier said than done by all means. You know what I'm saying? But it, to a certain degree, man, we, you know, we gotta heal. It's especially when you come from people that have already uh basically born with drama from just generational uh drama and whatnot. You know what I'm saying? So again, it, it was definitely a appointment uh, viewing. Uh, it was enjoyable to a certain degree, <laughs> to say the least. You know what I'm saying? Because I mean, you you know, usually you want to see people enjoy being around one another. You know, I'm not the type of person that likes to watch a car crash necessarily. But yeah, that's it. Always, you know, you can check out Sid and his articles on We Are Ricker Radio, and also on Second City Sports with Lakina McGee. Uh, Ryan and me are going to find out if we're going to do one show this week and how we're going to do it as far as over this Thanksgiving uh, period. Everybody. Go out. No, don't go out. Stay home. Um, you don't have to give thanks to people exterminating the First Nation people here. We all know that that's that was really fucked up. You know what I'm saying? But give thanks to the fact that you're still here. It's been a lot of people that aren't here this year anymore. You know what I'm saying? And um, we're all still lucky to be here. You know what I'm saying? Especially with what's taking place with this pandemic. So just be thankful for yourself, even if you're spending Thanksgiving alone. Be thankful that you're still here, man, because, you know, there's a plan for you. You know what I'm saying? So just, you know, we're entering a new year. Um, be here and do better. That's we're, all. Uh, <laughs> we, we've gone through so much of 2020. Like, this is the time to be thankful. You're be right. Thankful that yeah. we're here and that it's coming to an end and maybe a brighter future tomorrow. Maybe, because we keep we keep predicting 2020 is going to be like rose blossoms and honeysuckle, and it may be like, no, devil three, four, bitch. You want 2020 back is how bad 2021 can be. Oh, God. But, right, that would be know, terrible. Right. Hopefully, hopefully not. You know what I'm saying? So shout out to uh, Fires and Moderna. Hopefully, no, hopefully not. Uh, get your get your 2.0 uh, vaccine on. But yeah, we definitely always appreciate it. Uh, be safe out there. Um, listen, it's not even worth it trying to move around out here all crazy, especially if you got people you care about. You want them to stay alive. You got your grannies, your mothers, and your people with underlying conditions, man. So don't be selfish. That's all I really want to say. We look to, we look forward to talking to you in a week or so. Happy Thanksgiving. We go. Happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy yourself. I'm not saying that shit. The flip.